Welcome to the e-commerce lab by EcomC. This is the place for everything related to Amazon private label and e-commerce. Learn exactly what you need to start or scale your business. Get insights from the top industry experts who will discuss the latest trends and best practices in the world of Amazon. From choosing products and sourcing from a supplier to setting up your Amazon account and marketing your business, you will hear it here. Let's get started. Here is your host, Vincenzo Toscano. guys welcome to a new session of questions and answers my name is Vincenzo Toscano I'm the CEO of Ecomsi uh, for all of you that might not know uh, I run an agency that we are Amazon brand management agency and we focus on helping brands basically scale uh, their business on Amazon um, as I mentioned before these sessions are going to be running on a weekly basis on Tuesdays at 4 p.m GMT time for English speaking audience and then on Thursdays at 4 p.m. is going to be for my Spanish audience also at 4 p.m. GMT time. Um, so yes, let's get started. I'm going to be uh, running out some questions I've been getting over the week uh, for my audience and clients and then of course I'm also going to be covering some of the live questions that are going to start coming in as we jump into this uh, live event. Okay, great. So um, uh, welcome everybody, thank you for joining, all the people joining now. Um, let's start with uh, my first question. Uh, that was forward, yes. Great. So first question of the day, how do you scale your brand outside of Amazon? Great question. Um, well, to be honest, I get this question quite a lot, especially with clients that we were that they are reaching a certain amount of revenue and they're already thinking of going outside of Amazon. I mean, number one advice to all that people are thinking of going outside of Amazon is always make sure that before jumping outside of Amazon, your channel in in terms of sales on Amazon, you're taking the most advantage of, out of it, right? What I mean by that is make sure you are taking advantage of different marketplaces for example if you're selling usa before jumping outside of amazon have you tried going to europe have you tried going to canada mexico i mean there are so many other marketplaces besides your home a country or the country that you decide to start selling on amazon that you could explore and based on experience usually you're gonna find a better results in the short term that trying to scale some amazon because you guys need to think that scaling outside of Amazon usually takes much more effort in terms of uh, time and resources. Uh, 
because usually when you scale outside of Amazon, you need to build your audience outside of Amazon, which is much more expensive, like start running a social media ads, um, start uh, running promotion outside of Amazon. And usually for people, unless you are already handling millions and millions of dollars, uh, jumping outside of Amazon very early can actually be a, a negative thing. So again, it's really gonna also depend on on the focus of your brand and if you're really uh, looking to just a uh, i mean actually it's really going to depend on the size of your niche and how focused is that niche because in some instances maybe going outside of amazon could be beneficial but again a uh, based on experience and with the clients that have worked most of the time it's better to try to take the most advantage out of Amazon, which which means going to our marketplaces, make sure your PPC is on point, trying new images, adding new variations, adding new products, uh, things like that. Okay, great case. Uh, good. So let's see, we have another question. Um, do you recommend having a freight for agent? Um, usually for people getting started, Having a freight for agent could be a, a, a bit expensive uh, because, of course, you also need to pay the, pay the, the fee to this agent. But I would say uh, most of the time for people ordering the first product, uh, if let's say, which is the case, most people most likely is going to go to Alibaba, try to get to an agreement with your uh, manufacturer where they can uh, uh, give you a quote on DDP, right? So DDP basically means that all the duties and taxes are paid and you don't need to really uh, worry about uh, all the expenses regarding to shipping, um, handling the taxes of the of the product, and you're not gonna uh, really need a freight forward agent at that stage. So usually um, in these cases, when we're talking about maybe 1,000, 2,000 units, a freight for agents not really gonna improve a lot in terms of finding you a better deal. Most of the time, the prices that these manufacturers already give you are very good because they work in partnership with a other a manufacturers sometimes or even freight companies, and they try to ship all the orders in bulk to specific countries, and they already have good deals. But once you start reaching certain amount of uh, volume in terms of moving containers from China or whichever is the country you are manufacturing from, yes, I would advise you find a freight forward agent because, of course, it's going to be much more efficient to have a person uh, dealing with everything that has to do with shipping, like, uh, finding better deals for you and all the logistics involved with that. Okay, great. Um, let's see. we got... Question. Okay, this one has to do also with a uh, manufacturing, of course. Uh, I mean, to be honest, this question, I'm pretty sure all of you have seen it all over the place in terms of blogging, uh, Facebook groups, YouTube, which is usually the question of um, how many samples you should order uh, from your supplier. The thing is, ordering just one sample, which is what, what most people do, I don't think it's gonna be a good idea because of course they can easily just select the best unit out of a batch of 100 units. And then you're gonna think that one single unit is really representing the quality of what you're purchasing, which in which in reality might be just the ex exception, right? So what you want to do is usually, 
I advise to order at least three, five samples because that's gonna give you a better peace of mind of seeing if the consistent consistency is there because of course, keeping the same consistency in terms of a product a quality and, and the functionality and everything is gonna be much more difficult for them to try to fake it just with a, a I mean, it's much more difficult to do if you order in three, five samples that if you are just one that they can just take the best one and that's it. And also make sure, now that we're talking about samples, is that once you receive the samples, try to document this as much as possible. So usually what I advise to uh, people is as soon as you get your samples, try to make a video of even opening the box, as soon as you get it, how you see it, try to make a, a short report of uh, things that you like, things that you don't like, things that you want your bulk order to match, and then try to make a contract in place when the time comes to work with this manufacturer that you want, of course, the quality of the bulk order to match uh, the sample. Because last thing that you want is that maybe the sample uh, show, show you some specific features or material or quality, and then the actual bulk order doesn't even come close to it, right? So you want to avoid that at all costs and try to um, make disagreement with the manufacturer, which of course, it's difficult to enforce in China, being honest with you. But if you if you follow the advice, uh, which I actually did a video the other day about this, about how to find suppliers and um, which criteria to look for, which one of one of them is trade assurance. You want to make sure that if you have if you're using trade assurance and you're documenting everything, just as I mentioned, like with images, a contract in place, and everything, that if the manufacturer doesn't. Uh, basically match what they're promising you uh, that you they're going to deliver, you're going to have great uh, protection in terms of Alibaba refunding you that. So usually, as long as you uh, document everything, you should be protected on that basis, OK? Uh, good. Uh, let's jump into the next question. OK. Which payment provider do you use when handling multiple currencies? Usually uh, the one I recommend, which actually actually we have a partnership with them, just uh, for disclosure, is OFX. They are great. I mean, uh, if you guys are interested, just send me a DM or just leave a comment and I'm gonna make sure uh, even me or one of my team get, gets in contact with them. And basically what they do is they open this kind of dashboard for you where you can get your funding from Amazon and any Amazon marketplace, not just, let's say, a USA or, or the main ones. These guys work with most, uh, uh, actually all of them, and they handle all the main currencies around Amazon. And then you're going to have this dashboard where, let's say, you get your, uh, you have your businesses in USA, so you get your US dollar uh, revenue. Then on, on this dashboard by uh, OFX, you can then change that to euros or a British pounds or whatever is your currency and is um, the exchange rate is very good. Their fees are very low. So yeah, any anybody that looking for a payment provider in terms of handling currencies, OFX, uh, they are great. I mean, I, I use them and they are very good in terms of handling multiple currencies at the same time, okay? Good. So um, let's see which other question we got here. Mm, okay, how to differentiate a product? Uh, okay, we get this question quite a lot. Um, 
I mean, differentiate a product is is such a big question in terms of it can have so many answers uh, because it's highly dependent on. First of all, it's highly dependent on what is your niche, right? Because some products are difficult to differentiate. Like, for example, if you're trying to sell a, a glass, right? How much differentiation you can actually do with a glass? So it really depends on your niche. But as a rule of thumb, the first thing that we do when trying to differentiate a product is we try to analyze the niche itself, right? So uh, going back to the example I usually always use, which is dog toys, right? Let's say hey, we want to sell a dog toy, we want to launch a brand around dog, to uh, dog toys. The first thing that we do is we try to analyze the negative reviews around our main, uh, yeah, the main sellers on that category. So we try to analyze uh, what are the main sellers, uh, what are the main products, and then we go into the reviews. Reviews are magic in terms of telling you what people is looking for because Let's be honest, reviews is where most people end up either complaining or, or, or pleasing or praising, actually, sorry, why they love the product. So you want to then go into the re these reviews and we do a very detailed analysis and find what are the negative things people are saying about this type of products, if this is consistent across all the category. And we do the same thing with the positive things. And then when it comes to differentiation, we want to make sure that the product that we bring to the market has a covers as many negative things as possible. So things that other people are not doing, we want to make sure we cover them. And then of course, make sure that once the time comes in terms of launching the product, we are very strategic about how we mention this in terms of how we mention them in, on, on the images, on the title, uh, bullet points and so on. So as long as we are very strategic about mentioning these points, usually helps a lot with a basically popping up of the majority. Okay. Good question. Um let's see what we got here. Okay. But another question. How to find more reviews? Yeah. Usually we also get this question quite a lot. As you all know, review size is huge on Amazon. Um, with the clients we work with, we try to be very um, strategic as well in terms of how we find the reviews for them. Because for some specific categories, if there are already many competitors with hundreds of reviews, it's very important for you that you also find a method to raise your reviews as as yeah as fast as possible because you need to understand that most people on, on Amazon shop with two main things actually three main things in mind. The first thing is the price, the second thing is the review, and the third thing is the main image. So as long as we try to satisfy those things as fast as possible, that's huge for conversion. So for reviews, number one thing we always do Vine, Amazon Vine. Uh, for this, of course, you need to be uh, Amazon. You need to be a brand uh, register uh, with Amazon. And to do this, you need to, to have a trademark. Uh, once you do all the process of brand register, then you get allowed to do Amazon Vine. And Amazon Vine is a huge uh, tool nowadays, especially after removing things such as uh, rebates and all those methods people were using for reviews. Now Amazon Vine is becoming the main method to find reviews. Um, the only thing 
I always mention with Amazon Vine is that be careful in terms of uh, when using the tool because people here is very critic. So if you know that your product for some reason, which shouldn't be the case because again, we always uh, emphasize that to succeed on Amazon, your product needs to be super high quality and meet specific standards. But let's say for some specific reason, you know your product has a flaw, uh, something that doesn't work in most of the units it can really backfire you because if they find out about that, then you're going to get a lot of negative reviews. And usually these reviews from Amazon buying are very long. So it can end up hurting you more than actually helping. So that's the number one thing. Um, and then the second thing we try to do with a requesting reviews is usually on, on Amazon, of course, within each order, uh, you have two options. You can either use the automated a template from Amazon to request emails, which Amazon sends on your behalf. Those usually have very good conversions. But if you want to go a step forward and actually include something around your branding, you know, your, your, your specific type of language or way of communicating with your audience, we actually recommend also using a, an automated tool to do that. For example, Helium Tem, which is one of my partners, they use this tool, a follow up a specific is called the tool. And basically what it does is as soon as a sale is made, it follow up with the customer and ask them, okay, can you please, uh, we hope you enjoy your, your purchase. Can you please share your honest feedback? And usually that also ends up giving good results. Those are usually the main methods that we use. Other than that, we try to stay away of things such as um, uh, insert cards or, or or asking for people reviews outside of Amazon because we all know that's not allowed within the TOS. So we try, um, and also the brands that we work with and clients, they are very, uh, I mean, these are clients that of course, they cannot risk getting their account suspended. So we are very careful. And because of that, the two main methods we usually advise is that Amazon Vine. And the second one is using the, the templates for Amazon or a software tool to follow up with people and ask for feedback. Okay, good. Let's see which other question we got in here. Um, okay, good. So this question is regarding a flat file, okay? So flat files is, is basically a tool that you use when, usually we use that uh, when trying to optimize a listing or try to solve an issue related to a listing. Uh, when it comes to handling things on the back end, uh, because you, as, as you might all know, uh, mo some of the fields that Amazon gives you when creating a listing or optimizing a listing is not, is not available unless you also use something such as uh, the flat files. But in fact, it's something that uh, one of my colleagues, Vanessa Hung, uh, she's great at flat files. She has an agency around this. Um, she talks a lot around how to use flat files. And I think if you learn how to use flat files, it can help you a lot because, for example, there's something called catalog listing. Uh, I think you meant catalog, uh, yeah, the catalog report, not listing. Uh, yeah, anyway, the, the catalog report basically something um, that you need to actually raise a case with Amazon to get approved because it's something that uh, Amazon doesn't give you uh, access to straight away. So you need to raise a case and tell them, can, can you please uh, ungate the catalog, catalog report? 
a listing report and this this basically is going to give you a report of your listing for your specific category and it's going to show you all the back end fields that relate to it the reason why this is very important is because it's going to allow you to see fields that maybe you never even optimize for your specific category and it can be important for people to to find you to find your product and also because it's good to make sure that all the all the fields on the back end are um are complete with some information. Uh, so for example, you may find that uh, some specific fields are empty in the back end, and this can give you, this can give a window to people uh, with bad intentions, such as hijackers to take advantage of that and put uh, like specific search terms or things on the back end of your listing by also using on their side things such as flat files to make your listing get flagged for uh, all the other related products or maybe some specific keyword that can get you suspended, maybe like pesticides or things like that. So always make sure you, uh, you if you can, of course, which you must, is download the catalog listing report. Once you download it, see what information is Amazon registering for your product on the back end, and make sure that is something missing, such as some fields or something is wrong, you fix it and you upload it again. Um, usually we have seen a great a great impact, especially on ranking, uh, if you put the right information there. And also it's gonna help you protect your brand, of course, and make sure your listing doesn't get hijacked. Good, um, let's see which other question. Good, which tax service provider do you recommend? Okay. Um, for this one, I recommend HelloTax. Uh, my friend there, Nick, he's amazing. He has a extensive knowledge. Their team is great. Uh, HelloTax uh, usually helps you with everything that has to do with taxes, especially uh, I get this question a lot uh, for clients here in UK. They are struggling with everything that has to do with Brexit and they don't know how to handle all the paperwork and VAT and all that with, uh, for other countries uh, in, the, in Europe. So HelloTax help you set up all that for you. So they help you setting on your accounts, handling your VAT, uh, everything. So if you're looking for a tax provider, uh, reach out to them, HelloTax. Um, um, yeah, tell them you're coming on my behalf. I'm most likely they're gonna be able to help you and even give a discount for sure for your initial month. Uh, so yeah, that's my number one choice when you have, uh, when you have to choose a tax provider ser uh, service for sure. Good, um, let's see. Great. Um, which methods do you use besides software to find products? Well, um, of course, as uh, as you might all know, most of the of, of the strategies or methods people are using nowadays is using um, software tools, such as, for example, here in town. Usually, the thing with these tools overall is that because a lot of people are using them sometimes it restricts you to think outside the box right because of course you you get you get got a fix on using specific filters or specific criteria and then you end up running on circles and circles in terms of the the type of product that you that you're looking for so be, because of that usually what i try to do to also look outside of um, these tools is use use things such as for example um 
um, manual research, right? So manual reach, uh, one of the main things that we use for ma manual research is um, something called looking for pros, for example, product ideas on, on places such as Pinterest. Why Pinterest is great? Because Pinterest, you need to think that is a great place for people to share ideas, design ideas or concept. And sometimes you end up finding product ideas that are not even on Amazon. So I would say Pinterest is a great place to get you started, at least to find a innovative ideas around design. The second one is Etsy. Etsy, I also love it uh, because on Etsy, you need to think that you're going to find a lot of people that are small uh, sellers, right? That basically um, they're just getting started. Uh, and most most of the time, these people are doing this from, from their house uh, or they have a small shop and it's all handmade. And the good thing is I have worked with people that they had great success by reaching out to these people. Um, and once they reach out to um, these people on, on Etsy, they manage to come to an agreement in terms of, uh, okay, can can you give me your, your products at a specific price? And then uh, eventually I could uh, sell them on Amazon. Um, sometimes uh, this can give you a huge differentiating factor because you can end up selling products that most people is not going to have access because, of course, they're handmade, they're unique. Um, and usually your margins are going to be bigger. And the the last thing which which I love is most of the time these people you can find them in your country, and you can avoid having the issue of needing to, yeah, needing to deal with people in let's say overseas. That right now with the whole shipping uh, nightmare that I'm sure all of you are aware of, uh, that is is becoming very expensive. I think the next golden era of Amazon is going to be a, a, around working with people in your in your home country. A, and leveraging those manufacturers that maybe have no experience around e-commerce and you helping them, you helping their products to get a attention and scalability on Amazon for sure. Good. We got here another question. Let's see what it says. Okay. So this other question um, has to do with a uh, PPC campaigns. Uh, again, this uh, big topic, uh, we always get a question regarding PPC because we are, it's something that is a must nowadays to understand how to, to do because uh, right now with the whole competition on Amazon, uh, and the re restrictions about things that you can do to launch a product, PPC uh, is key. So how to optimize a PPC campaigns? I mean, I'm going to make it very brief because this, to be honest, require a co a, like, a, yeah, a video just on this um, many hours long because it's something very extent. But the basics of optimization of PPC is making sure you optimize the keywords and the bits around your budget. So what do I mean by this is make sure that you don't burn your budget around keywords that you know for sure that you're going to compete. That's why it's always advice to get started with things such as long tail keywords or keywords that have less competition, right? And this is going to help you a lot to mitigate those high cost per clicks, uh, which is going to spend, I don't know, and in some cases we have seen costs going five, six dollars or even higher per click, which is massive for people getting started. So usually try to focus on those keywords that are longer, like 
for example, three or four or even five uh, words long. And usually the cost per click uh, tends to be lower. In terms of optimization, then you need to find the right bids uh, by calculating what is your target ACOS. The target ACOS, you find that by also analyzing what are your margins in terms of how much is the processing for, what are your costs, what is your remaining profit, how much you are looking to sacrifice towards PPC. And once you are able to identify a budget, then you can also identify bids uh, around that. Uh, and that's very good because if you are able to identify those bits from day one, it's, it's going to be more efficient for you to then optimize, right, and starting with random bits and losing more time uh, in order to get that data, which eventually is going to mean more money wasted, right? And then it's something um, that comes down to making sure that you're targeting uh, the right keywords, make sure you're using the right uh, keyword uh, targeting match, uh, leverage things such as product targeting. If you have sponsored brands, um, um, yeah, if you have a brand register, sorry, make sure you sponsor brands, now sponsor displays also out. So try to leverage all these tools, but also making sure you keep an eye on your campaigns. Uh, make sure you're not burning money on unnecessary keywords and essence. As soon as you identify keywords and essence that don't make sense, either add them as a negative or lower their bits to a point that the impressions or clicks don't affect you. And then it just become a, a process, a repetitive process on uh, that you keep doing and doing until you start getting those desired results. But yeah, I mean, thank you for the question. I'm gonna make sure uh, I do a video in more depth because uh, PPC optimization is not something that you can spend in a few minutes. But uh, the basics around that is making sure that you are using the right keywords and are using the right bits to make your budget efficient. Okay, good. Um, we have another question. Do you know how to get A plus content? Okay, yes, A plus content um, is a feature that you get up, you get added uh, to your Amazon account once you get your brand register with Amazon. And the way you do that is you need to have a trademark. Uh, and once you have a trademark, you apply for brand register. And once you get brand uh, register, you get A plus content, sponsor a uh, brand uh, advertisement. And then you get other tools such as, for example, brand analytics, which is a huge tool. It gives you extensive data around your keywords, competitors, which actually plays a huge role in PPC optimization. So I will say as, uh, as soon as you can try to get your brand register, uh, and that is gonna for sure give you access to all the tools I, uh, I mentioned and the A plus content, which we have also seen a big impact in conversions when it comes to listing optimization. Okay, good. We have now video ads. Good. What do you think of video ads? Well, video ads is great. Uh, we have seen huge results with video ads. Uh, cost per clicks are super low still compared to sponsored products uh, campaigns. Usually we like to run video ads on keywords that we know for sure your product is performing, right? So these are gonna be keywords that have been converting time over time and they have and we have history to back that up. And then basically what we're gonna make sure is that um, we basically design these videos around the specific features and quality of your product. So 
it's very important that when you do these video ads you try to target your niche audience with specific messages that you know is going to trigger that emotion to want to buy your product so always make sure you mention why this product is beneficial for them what a differentiation point it has compared to our products and what are the main features that you're offering so usually covering those three points is going to help you a lot and also make it appealing um, the days of using just a canvas made video on the early days of video campaigns i think are coming to an end now we're seeing more high production which is great because i think that's gonna help a lot uh, with raising the bar on in terms of uh, the competition but i think yes uh, invest in video ads is great uh, i think that's gonna be the next chapter on amazon advertising more visual content and i think video ads uh, is just the beginning in terms of that type of ad okay good let's see if we got any other questions okay great so i think that will be everything for today so please uh, remember that um to like and subscribe if you really are enjoying these sessions and would like to get a uh, stay updated in terms of the uh, the trends around amazon news specific topics as i mentioned before these sessions are not just gonna be q a's uh, gonna eventually start introducing a uh, review and specific uh, topics on amazon it's gonna be more like a round table right so we're gonna discuss our other our topics we're gonna eventually also have guests on live as well so yeah it's gonna be very dynamic and we're gonna just uh, of course as the audience uh, give us the feedback on that uh, also remember that if you, you're looking to receive support you can reach out to us at uh, com or at ecomps in all the social media channels uh, i'm gonna make sure that either me or my, or my team uh, of course supports you in terms of guidance and remember that the first consultation is free so we give you a first consultation see if you are the right fit and of course give you guidance in terms of what are the right the right steps for you to fix them um, and yes that's everything thank you once again for joining hopefully you enjoy this uh, session um, um, and i appreciate also all the feedback we've been receiving so that's why actually we opened the session on thursdays which I actually want to uh, mention right now, which is on Thursdays for PNGNT, because uh, I know some people are saying that they also wanted a version in Spanish. So on Thursdays, remember to tune in for the Spanish version of Q and A's, uh, which is going to be mainly targeted to Spanish uh, speaking audience. Okay, thank you once again, guys. Take care and have a nice one. Okay, bye bye. Thanks for listening to the E-Commerce Lab by EcomC. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you are at it, we would appreciate it if you could leave an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. That will make it easier for others to find out about the show and benefit from it. Want more? Visit our website at www.ecomc.com where you can get your first consultation for free. Or find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at ecomc.com.